Chris, I have a new horror story to tell you about. Ooh, like a, a movie or a book? Or no, this what? is something from real life. Oh, oh, God. Okay. This is the smell of me after walking the dog in 95 plus degree heat and humid. Ugh. It's awful. Ugh. I don't know about you, but uh, up here in New England, it's um, pretty insufferable right now for the past week, roughly. Uh, pretty sure that heat wave is everywhere right now. Um, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, it's really hot. Um, I think I'm, I'm doing okay. I don't really go outside. I also have to like water the plants real quick because they're going to die. It's been 100 degrees yesterday. Today it's supposed to be 105. It sucks. Do you have central air conditioning? Yes, thank God. Um, uh, congratulations just, to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you, not, oh, you don't have it, do you? No, we we have window units. I mean, window units, they're... they're I mean, they work. Our, they, they work, and our place isn't that big, so... Uh, they're doing what they need to, but man, I hope everybody out there is beating the heat because this heat wave is um, like something out of, you know, the post-apocalyptic, um, <laughs> you know, American horror story. It is. It is. Ugh. I yeah. My parents are coming to visit uh, us next week, um, and it's supposed to go back down to mid eighties, maybe low nineties, and that just sounds wonderful right now. I think we're low 80s next week, so I'm just holding tight, and then I'll finally go outside again and expose my pale, pale skin to the sun. <laughs> so. That's a good point. I'm bummed. Uh, like we went on vacation. We were in the Caribbean. We came back and like kind of tan and feeling good, uh, and then um, it got super hot here, so no one wanted to go outside, so no one got to see my cool tan. I feel like a creature from Red Tide. like I, <laughs> The you know. pasty, pale yeah. mm-hmm. vampire people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of, should we talk about American Horror Stories? Yeah, yes, let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit hit show American Horror Story and the uh, companion anthology series American Horror Stories. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Hey, Tyler. Uh, episode one, we're back at it. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are here for American Horror Stories Season 2. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think after we... Well, I do know about you because we talked about it in our preview last week. We were going into the season with a little bit of hope, a little bit of trepidation. And I am very excited to hear what you think about the first episode, Dollhouse which we will talk about in just one minute. Before we really dive into that, though, a couple quick things I want to cover. First one is, I I want to apologize to everybody first for somehow thinking that this this season's episodes were... I swear to God I read somewhere that this season's episodes were going to be in more of a half-hour range. They're definitely more in the typical American Horror Story 45-ish minute range. So if folks were thinking for some reason it was going to be shorter, it's not. So getting that off my chest now, apologies. I'm sorry. In your in your defense, they didn't have the run times listed next week uh, at all either. So I, I I picked it up off of one of the you know preview articles I was reading. So I don't know. It was probably from a junk site. I'm, just, I'm spreading uh, spreading you know misinformation. So <laughs> my bad. Um, it was not intentional. 
Also, before we really dive into talking about this episode in more detail, I do want to say that we are bringing back something this uh, season that we had last season. And that is, you know, Chris and I just put this podcast on without ads for fun out of just, you know, we talked about it recently, like we've done 10 story, 10 seasons of American Horror Story plus now two seasons of American Horror Stories. Um, and there's, you know, little associated costs. Well, sometimes not so little depending on the number of listeners when we have server costs and things like that month to month. So if you're able to chip in a little bit out of the kindness of your heart to our little, um, I don't know, American Horror Story, you know, this American Horror Story fund at buymeacoffee.com slash T-A-H-S. That's T-A-H-S, all capitals. Um, you know, five bucks, whatever. We would sincerely appreciate it. It all goes toward our server costs each month, which helps us uh, keep this thing going without costs getting too unwieldy. Um, I don't know, Chris, anything else you want to say about that before we dive into the episode? Nope. Uh, we appreciate the support. You guys are the best fans out there, and we're fans of this show just like you are, and just thanks for joining us all these years. That's exactly right, and we're so excited that this community is back for season two of American Horror Stories. Uh, Chris, I'd ask you what you're drinking. I mean, I have to tell you, I only have a giant jug of water because, as I spoke <laughs> about before, I am doing my best to stay hydrated uh, in this you know, sweltering Saturday afternoon. How about yourself? I have uh, one of my favorite treats during a super hot summer uh, summer day, which is an ice-cold, crisp Coca-Cola. But I, I got the little mini Cokes because a full one's kind of a lot for me, <laughs> sugar-wise. That is, that is uh, a baby. God, we sound so old and lame now. <laughs> but, but it's tasty. I mean, you know, when we record American Horror Story immediately after the, the episode in the evenings, we yep. do tend to, you know, still fall back into cocktail mode. Yep. Um, but, you know, middle of the day on a, on a very hot Saturday, I'll probably drink a beer on the porch later. But yep. not yeah. quite yet. Not quite yet. That being said, let's go ahead and dive into a couple things around the dollhouse. Uh, first of all, I want to note, thank you to those who um, reached back out to us and started sharing comments and theories and things again to our email at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com and also on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. Uh, a couple things. We had a couple people, both Emma and Bryce sent emails noticing uh, a connection between Van Wert's challenges that he had in the dollhouse and the seven wonders from Coven. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a good pickup early to kind of follow the, the foreshadowing, you know. Um, one other thing that I wanted to say Bryce noted was that Mr. Van Wert had kind of a um, James Patrick March vibe in the fact that, you know, March threw his victims down the garbage chute and Van Wert threw his down the well. So there's a little bit of a, a you know, winking at past seasons of American Horror Story there too. Um, Anything else before we dive into the cold open that you kind of wanted to set as context? No, those are, I, I mean, I called it Spalding, but that's all. We can get there. You did, you did. Uh, and that being said, why don't you take us through the cold <laughs> open? Uh, yeah. I, I would love it if you could take us to Natchez, Mississippi in 1961. Yeah. Uh, so we have a woman pulling up uh, in her car. She's putting some lipstick on in the mirror. Uh, and then we kind of see the process of what's going on inside this toy factory where they're making the dolls piece by piece. It's a little creepy, dis, uh, disembodied doll figures and painting the lips, the whole process. Um, and then we hear the uh, narration or, 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 or we hear the voice of who will be one of our main characters played by Dennis O'Hare, who is Van Wert, the owner of this shop. And he says dolls have been around since ancient Egyptians. They found one in King Tut's tomb. Um, and the whole goal of the doll is to create perfection. Man is seeking perfection in the creation of dolls. He compares that as a parallel to God creating man, um, which is clearly how he views himself. 
Uh, and then our, our, our woman who, uh, our young lady who joins the, or who joined us in the beginning, walks in and she's applying, actually, she's interviewing because she's applying to be Van, Van Wert's secretary. Uh, and she lists off her just fantastic, accomplished accolades that, that she's done in her, her short life so far. Uh, clearly overqualified for a secretary position. Um, and he says uh, so much so much as that, and then says you're dismissed, and she gets I'm assuming chloroformed, and uh, by his by Van Wert's assistant. And then we get this really cool like dolly tight shot into the dollhouse that's in his office with a few dolls in a specific room, all organized, uh, and they're all in these different outfits. Uh, and then we get the title sequence. Totally. I thought the I thought this was a very strong opening. I thought the, you know, close up shots of the doll being made was very creepy um, with Dennis O'Hara's kind of uh, I mean, again, Dennis O'Hara was fantastic in this episode. I think I just thought uh, I mean, he played the character very convincingly. Um, the Miss Dellum, who was, you know, the woman being interviewed to be the secretary, was played by Christine Froseth. I think um, I thought she did a terrific job as well. And I do think this conversation that you were referencing about kind of the ideal, you know, human ideal um, is what they're seeking in dolls. Uh, clearly some foreshadowing there, right? I think there's even a line that Miss Dellum says at some time that like something like God would love me more if I was made of plastic or something like that, I, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're also setting up kind of one of the major themes of this episode, which is the unbearable, perfect standards that we hold women to. Yeah, totally. And I did like the zoom in on the miniature dollhouse too, where we already had the doll laying on the, the bed. I think um, we will talk about this more, I'm sure, as we go through it, but kind of the zoom the zoom ins and zoom outs and the, like the zooms were used in a very intentional way in this uh, episode that definitely kind of, you know, I don't know, it really contributed to the feeling of a dollhouse, especially when we get to the Van Wert mansion as well. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um I thought the credit sequence was awesome. I feel like we said last season too that like we just loved all the credit sequences for all the American Horror Stories episodes. This one to me, I don't know, um, I'll be curious to hear kind of what you felt about it, but to me it like looked like, you know, recordings of old like home ec classes basically or something like that from, I don't know, like the 50s or something. Yep, yeah, yeah. We got a lot of 50s housewife imagery um, and there were videos back then that were training women the the proper etiquette for cooking, preparing a meal for your neighbors, for your husband's boss and his wife, all that stuff. Uh, and then we also get, we, then we get also some of the great, um, some more, some more dolls uh, um, getting kind of put together and then like dolls like decomposing, <laughs> like with, like into the dirt and with worms and stuff like that. You're, you're, you're more standard uh, American Horror Story uh, images. Totally. And, of course, we also see here that this episode was written by Manny Cotto and directed by Loni Peristere. Peristere. Yeah, I'm not sure how to. Uh, I think it's Lonnie. Right. Yeah, Lonnie. Which we know at this point, you know, American Horror Stories and American Horror Story all-stars, you know, in their contributions across both series. So, I mean, obviously, first episode of the season, we're going with kind of uh, veterans in this particular instance. Another fun... um, Trivia is that Lonnie and Manny worked together on the episode Forbidden Fruit during the Apocalypse Apocalypse season. Uh, that, that was episode eight, and it's one of the um, more heralded episodes of that weird season. 
<laughs> but so they've I... actually worked together on a, on an episode before, which is kind of cool. I'd forgotten they hadn't worked together in, in last season, I yeah. think. So that's, that's uh, some good insight there. As course, as we get into kind of the meat, the body of the episode, um, we quickly get our bearings just as Miss Dellen does when she wakes up in the Van Wert private estate, right? Huge campus. Clearly, Van Wert is a very successful doll maker. Um, we have this house that is, uh, I think at one point he says, like, Victorian, Old Americana, and Edwardian. It's very yeah. eclectic in, in every, every which way, um, which I think is really supposed to contribute to the dollhouse vibe, just kind of the way, like, you know, a kid will put a variety of different toys and creatures in a dollhouse. That's definitely the way that they decorate as well around the house. Uh, and we get the whole context with her, you know. She's stuck there for seven days um, where she's being entered into a pageant. Now, of course, we, there's, we don't get told at that point yet that um, it's pretty much a, you know, potential seven days. It might end sooner and it might not exactly be you escaping. Um, she she kind of tries to run out of, you know, escape just right then, running out the front door. But that's when she runs back into Dennis's henchman. Uh, who, sorry, Dennis O'Hare's henchman, who is, of course, um, the guy with the hook hand in No Tongue. Um, I think there's a couple things we can say here. No Tongue is obviously a wink already at the character Spalding and Coven, I would think. Um, otherwise, I, so this character is played, the henchman is played by Matt Lasky. Um, I don't think we get a character name, um, if I remember correctly, and we don't ever get any backstory or anything either. It's just this uh you know is that right i don't i, I don't remember I've, getting any backstory. I, I, I don't remember backstory i do feel like I, I remember hearing his name once or twice toward the end eustace blah 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 oh it was eustace okay I, eustace. I was looking on imdb and they don't even have a last name listed so yeah it seems eustace um yeah uh but obviously she's not able to get out she's stuck and that's when um you know, he leaves her locked inside and we have this very creepy scene for the first time where like all these, you know, what originally we thought were just like life-size dolls slash mannequins, their eyes start to move. They all take their masks off and we find out they're the other women who have been abducted. And they tell us the rules of the situation, right? He's looking for the perfect, perfect doll to be the mother of his child. Mm -hmm. And he's going to put them through tests. That's what the pageant is. And those who fail will get eliminated. Yeah. Yep. And we get a we get a quick meeting of the remaining women who are already pissed off because they're because um, uh, I forget her last name you were saying it but Kobe is her first name I think and Kobe yeah, yeah Dellum thank you uh, she's entering the competition or the pageant like halfway through they've already had three rounds and essentially that means there were three seven deaths. The, three deaths already that have, we know get thrown another well but we meet we meet Aurelia who's dressed as the maid. We meet, um, and she's kind of the competitive one who wants to win, and she's a little ruthless. And then we've got Harleen, who's dressed in the blue dress and befriends um, our main character, Kobe. And then Faye, who's dressed as the as a bride, um, and they reference her and talk to her. Like, she used to be a kindergarten teacher before she was kidnapped. Uh, Aurelia, I think, was a dancer, they said. And then Bonnie, who's dressed sort of like in a Bo Peep type like, I, I'm not sure exactly what it was, um, and we, I don't think we know a ton about her, really. But those are the four uh, young women who are already in the competition for, for becoming Otis's mother. Right, and it's Harleen, the kind one, who kind of gives additional backstory on, you know, Otis, the child played by Houston Jack's toe. 
Um, you know, the only son of Mr. Van Wert, whose wife is dead. The rumor has it that he caught her cheating. And the scene we see here felt reminiscent to me of Murder House, you know, kind of when um, we have the scene in which Constance stumbles upon her husband and, and the maid in the bedroom. It almost even looked a little bit like the same bedroom to me. I don't know if you got that vibe too. Um, so he, you know, takes them naked and has them electrocuted into unconsciousness and then thrown into the wishing well where they die. So theoretically, there's a whole lot of bodies down in that Yeah. Way. I hope they're not using it for water. I was just thinking that. Ugh. Uh, I was also thinking during this scene when all the, um, when the, the, I want to call them like pageant competitors, when the victims, when the kidnapped women uh, are picking their poses to stand in, why would you pick a pose where you have to hold your hands above your head for that long? That would be so tiring. I would pick a <laughs> position where I was like asleep or just laying down. Or like leaning on something. Yeah. <laughs> in a chair. Or the, the poor, like the, the friendly one, but uh, Harleen. Like why you hold it? Like she's holding a tea tray the entire time, like posing. That would suck. That's that's not very strategic. Let's say that much. Or maybe you get extra points if you like pick a challenging pose. I don't know. Right. Soon after we get this background information, of course, we hear the bell ring, and we're already on to I guess what's effectively test. I don't. Uh, well, I don't even think it's a test yet. I think this is just introducing them to Otis. Who, oh, Otis I, is I guess, first. Yeah. I don't know where Otis was because we know he doesn't go to school, right? So he was off somewhere, and they had to go collect him. Um, and that's when our main character, Miss Dellum, dresses up as Kobe the clown and gets her creepy clown costume on i like that she picked um, the clown that was kind of clever i'm i'm with uh otis in that i don't i'm not a big clown fan <laughs> nobody I, likes yeah clowns. and i love his dig when she's like i can do a magic trick she's like or he's like the only other thing that people hate maybe more than clowns is magicians <laughs> yeah right <laughs> throw it back to you know to twisty though uh but you know because she's dressed as a clown, a clown he's about to have her killed before she's even able to I compete know. in a challenge and she has to like basically uh, show this trick of moving the truck uh, in order to, you know, woo him over and, and get him to keep her. At this point, I'm curious whether you thought this was some, like, slate of hand type thing or whether you were already thinking this was, like, magical powers or something, you know, she was doing it with her mind, something like that. Yeah, I questioned it for sure, but I, I thought as soon as I saw her move the truck, um, I actually got... I wasn't bored in this episode, but I, it piqued my interest a little more. I was like, oh, that's a cool twist. Let's let's see where this is going to go. Now she has some sort of, you know, possibility to get the upper hand and escape or, or whatever it might be uh, to use a special power. So I was hoping that it would turn out to be a real thing and not um, a uh, just a, a trick that she did for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, I don't know, it just takes it to a different level of a, of a horror story, adding a little bit of supernatural into it yeah i like that too it was unexpected and i thought that it kind of gave it an additional layer but you know sometimes i feel like when they add additional layers like this it can be too much and uh well we can talk later about whether we think that was the case but at least at this point i think everything was was feeling like it was it was a good little addition and then of course she's getting questioned about it later in the dormitory for the dolls and this is where we get this great line from aurelia which i think she says don't butter my ass and call me a biscuit or something when, she, <laughs> I love when she's, it. Yeah. When she's like great. oh yeah it's a magician's trick from my uncle <laughs> that was i want to use that that's like the <laughs> 1961 version of don't uh piss on my leg and tell me it's raining <laughs> yeah exactly a little bit uh slightly more pc yeah I mean, not not much but funny um right and then of course we get the first challenge 
uh, in which they are tasked with properly setting a table for this theoretical grand meal that includes turtle soup and a bunch of other things. Um, pretty classic Southern dishes, I think, for the most part. Uh, the loser, he says, is going to get, Van Wert says, is going to get discarded. I think we already know at this point what discarded means. And they only have one minute to set this table. So it's like, that's pretty brisk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was saying even here, uh, we already talked about James Patrick March, but Dennis O'Hare also here feels a little, in this particular exercise and like an ironing one, he feels to me like a little bit of like an evil Henry Higgins from My Fair Lady. Like, you know, he's going to oh. make a proper woman out of these people through all these like, uh, I'm trying to remember what Tests, they used to call this. Challenges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exercises. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, how they used to have, like, a woman carry, like, a stack of books on her head as she moved across the room. It's like all these tests to make a proper lady out of somebody, you know. Mm. Um, So they scramble to get these, you know, place settings in order. And it very much seems to me like Kobe's just watching Aurelia, who seems to know this somehow. Um, And is able to get most, I mean, the closest of anybody. And it's the bride doll, which I don't remember. Was that Faye or the other one? Mm Mm-hmm. Who uh, seems like has really flopped this particular one. And I think she said something like she had servants who used to do it for her. So she didn't have to do it herself. Or what, <laughs> no, what was she, the line there? She said um, she wasn't taught any of this because her parents worked at the cannery. So she did oh, not come okay. up so, learning so she this. Was, yeah. So she yeah. was not from means. And mm-hmm. so probably was not eating these grand meals. And so she uh, gets electrocuted and, and thrown out, so to speak. Uh, later on playing with Otis... Kobe is continuing to show off her gift, and I'm surprised that, uh, you know, Mr. Van Wert will allow Otis to continue to, like, hang out with the dolls without anyone's supervision, kind of. Um, you know, that seems like could have been, like, a good way to hold him hostage or something to get themselves <laughs> out of this situation. But anyway, Tyler, they... stop overthinking this American Horror Story episode with logic. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, who knows? But uh, they're off on a some lost place without a vehicle or anything, too. So maybe they're stuck, but... She kind of talks about this whole th- back. I mean, it, we don't get a flashback. We just get her telling us, which I think is a good use of time because sometimes we get too many flashbacks, right? And oh, good totally. Mix, I think. Uh, she was afraid to tell her family about her superpowers, basically, because she didn't want them to think she had a demon. We we learn, I think, in the very beginning uh, in her interview that she comes from a very fundamentalist Christian family. So she has hit her skills and she said, you know, she's... I don't remember if this is it's in this part or later that she says she's never really tried to do much more with her powers because she was afraid of Mm. what she'd be capable of or something. To me, at this point, I thought it was going to foreshadow, when she said that, I thought it was going to foreshadow her using her own powers to do something absolutely like, I don't know, Carrie-style, light the entire gym on fire situation. Yep. But in the same conversation, she tries to bond with Otis over being different. Uh, and she seems to be successful with that after a little bit of coaxing. And he reveals that, you know, he hopes she's the one who's going to win. She thinks she has some manipulation powers over him at this point. So she tries to get him to go tell Van Wert, you know, that she will be his mother if he lets everybody else go, which is quite a sacrifice for her to be making. Um, you know, honorable if that's what she really meant, but, uh, didn't quite go that way. I mean, we got this little interlude in which Van Wert's on the phone with some salespeople or something. Basically talking about how sales are tanking because Barbie's taking over. Yeah. <laughs> I like that little piece. Yeah, I do too. It's a nod to also like the type of toy that he's trying to create, this perfect, you know, cool thing that, mm-hmm. that, that, that can serve his family anyway. 
Right. And we get this, we end up getting this monologue from Van Ward about like finding him the perfect best mommy that it seems to kind of convince Otis, I guess, not to ask. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we don't quite follow exactly what's going on in his head, but like, I guess he feels like his dad has his best interest at heart or something. So he should just let it happen. He, he really plays into, and this is a theme about dolls uh, in this, or dollhouse uh, and dolls, I guess. Uh, you know, loneliness and trying to create something to fill a void when something's gone and by isolating Otis, but you know, with just dolls, he doesn't have anything to stand in for a relationship besides the one he has with his father. And clearly he's manipulating Otis into thinking like, this is your shot of having your one friend, but you're a new mother or whatever it might be. When in reality, uh, um, Kobe the clown is trying to convince Otis to like keep her happy because you don't want a sad mommy and and she's a package deal with all of her friends who are also dolls. Anyway, right, it's, right. it's it's a theme. Trust right. me. But, you know, uh, so obviously Otis kind of bails on that ask and we move into the next challenge, which is the ironing of a shirt. And I really loved just the, both of these challenges, just like the, I guess, pretext that Van Wert gives where he's talking about like he gives the historic background on this person who cre- invented this fragrant solution that had Corvassier and it had herbs. Um, and they make this like, I guess it's like a fragrant spray to make this iron shirt just smell lovely. And as they actually do the irony, what's the thing he kept keep saying? He's like, folds, not creases, folds, not creases. I thought that was just like a funny line too. Um, clearly he's all about precision and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, and, Kobe... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, and just, like, these are the things that he idealizes in uh, what he would consider a perfect mother. Which is just basically a perfect servant in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Kobe scorches the shirt. Uh, so instead of getting discarded, she just gets her hand ironed, which I think later Aurelia says is, like, you should have died, so you should be happy that you just got your hand ironed. Although, man, that seems like that would have been quite painful. Yeah. yeah. And the one who Van Wert describes her shirt smelling like a whorehouse is the one who gets stabbed with the hook hand in front of everybody. So that was pretty That was a brutal, brutal murder. Yeah, that was, uh, I believe uh, her name was Bonnie. Ah, poor Bonnie. And she probably gets, her body gets tossed in the well as well. Yeah. So, you know, we we have at this point, Aurelia's like, I think, keen on the fact that Kobe's the favorite to live. So she takes that pointy thing off of the top of the merry-go-round ostrich. And thank goodness Kobe had an inclination that this was coming, I guess, because she, you know. she's a witch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She had that intuition. And so Aurelia just stabs a fake Kobe in the back, but was not her. And then they have this plan they're going to have that's actually going to get them to escape with Kobe's powers. Which is effectively them hiding. Well, it's them doing what she just did with the mannequin, I guess. So maybe that's what she was testing out. It's whether or not they could make the mannequins look like real dolls. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put their outfits on the mannequins and hide behind the curtain as Van Wert comes in. I think she uses her mind to unlock the door, it seems like. And then they, well, they all run outside. Uh, but really, it's only Aurelia and Harleen who escape into the woods because... Kobe feels this connection and empathy for Otis that she has to go back and get him. Uh, even though Harleen makes a pretty convincing point to me that, like, why don't you just talk to the police and have them go get Otis afterwards? <laughs> yeah, it's not like she's going to kill Otis. What did you think about her deciding to stay back 
I thought it was weird. I don't think we got enough time with Otis and uh, and Kobe bonding where I felt that he needed to be saved and he was really bad trapped. Did I have sympathy for him? Absolutely. Um, but he also, I don't know. I just, I, I think maybe I needed one more scene with the two of them where I, I believed that she really cared that much about him and she wasn't actually just trying to manipulate him to save her life and the other's lives. I don't know. Right. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I felt a little bad for him, but also at the same time, like he pretty quickly was condoning the murder of, you know, his dolls. So it's not like he was, I mean, he's not an infant. Like he had some idea of what was happening. So I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, this is also part of kind of what the, the episode I was trying to say, I think, is how we sort of indoctrinate little boys into continuing these the path of the men before them who have done horrible things to women and treat them as disposable. Uh, and you know, little Otis has just had this example in front of him his entire life. So maybe she feels empathy for what Otis has gone through and knows that he is actually a good kid and he just needs to be removed from the system and he can flourish and be a good kid. Like he actually is. Cause he is a little different. He is a little different. Meanwhile, Van Wert is the, this challenge is he reads he's reading a Bible passage to the dolls, and this challenge is probably one that Kelby would have gotten right because we already know she's a fundamentalist Christian. So maybe that's even why he picked that particular challenge is because he knew she was perhaps mm. the most likely one to win it. But alas, they're not real. Um, Kobe runs back in, finds Otis, and well, he electrocutes her <laughs> and she gets yeah. knocked out. Um, meanwhile, in the woods, though, somehow Aurelia um, and Harleen, well, first of all, Aurelia is about to smash Harleen's head in with a rock. Aurelia sucks. Just run faster. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, like, why does she even need to, like, go back and do that? Why doesn't yeah, she just... Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it, it didn't, She didn't need to do that. She said she was being too loud, but she clearly was, like, way outpacing Harleen, so... Well, we don't really... It's not even clear to us why the henchman, I guess, Eustace, how he's able to catch up and find yeah. them. Yeah. But uh, Van Wert insinuates that, uh, you know, later after they're both already... So Harleen and Aurelia really get killed at this point because they get shot by the henchman. And when, you know, Kobe wakes up, we learn that apparently the escape attempt was a test. So he, like, knew they were going to be doing that somehow. I'm unclear how. Maybe somehow they listened in on him or whatever. He, he said that he had, like, bugged the, some of the dolls in the house. Mm, okay, so he does say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but she's pinned to this giant doll mold that looks like it's in the basement or something like that. Um, and at this point, I mean, I was thinking back to that statement from the interview with the upfront about how they talked about being more perfect if they were encased in, I guess it's porcelain. Porcelain, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as she is, well, okay. And then, you know, um, soon after, she's screaming, she gets the mold pressed into her and we see... Her in porcelain as as a doll. The question I had for this was like, how is she going to either eat or go to the bathroom? <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of logistics, logistical <laughs> questions about how does this actually work. That uh, I mean, she'd only been in for maybe a few hours, so that that was maybe they have to redo it every day. I don't know. That suit is going to get foul. Ew, quickly. I know. <laughs> oh God. Uh, but of course, this is where we get the big twist, right? Um, yep. do you want to? Why don't you walk us through the twist? Uh, I can't remember like beat by beat, but I do remember uh, while she's serving them in her porcelain, um, all of a sudden the door opens and two people come in with dark 
robes on that clearly look like witches. Uh, very arresting in the moment because you think that this is the end of the episode where this is, you know, it's a horror story, so this is the life that she's going to have to live forever. But psych, we're going full-on American Horror Story. This is actually an origin story. Um, so the women, uh, one of the one of the witches uh, um, freezes Eustace and uh, Van Wert. Van Wert. And then the other one, which through IMDb, thank you, uh, alerts me to the fact that this is actually a young Fiona, uh, Fiona Good, the witch. Um, she uh, talks to Kobe and says, you know, sorry, we were, it took us so long. Your, we, your magic or your spells were very faint. We, we, it was hard to pick up on and locate you. And they obviously are there to go recruit her to take her to Miss Robichaud's house uh, or school of for the witches and then they uh crack her porcelain open and she comes out free of the the barriers that the man put on her i'm thinking this is very feminist now um and she uh is ready to to join them but wants to bring little um otis with her um do you want to take it from there yeah, and you know, as you said, we basically well, first of all, we leave that scene with Eustace and Mister. You know, oh yeah, I think as I, they walk out, the one witch lights it on fire. I do think we actually hear at the upfront, or I'm trying to remember, but at some point we hear that Van Wert's first name is also Spalding. I think it's talked about like very. Oh, it's like Spalding Senior or something like that. So I think it's it, they don't talk about it a lot because I don't think they wanted to over reveal like over telegraph that connection. Yeah. But so it's like Spalding Senior, and so uh, a you know they leave them to burn up, and we kind of have this like zoom dollhouse zoom out happening here. So I guess in this instance, that that part did feel a little bit like Carrie or something like that. But obviously, it was not Kobe who's doing it. It was Fiona and the other witch. Who I don't remember. Um, her name but we show up at the front of you know miss robichaud's as you said we've got the coven music playing in the background so we have that happen Love and then, it. of course a young myrtle snow runs out with the long red hair and that was pretty pretty awesome and we learned that otis is changing his name to spalding which as you said you called it the butler from coven who loved dolls who had his tongue cut out wow what a connection uh i mean you did call it, but like I do feel like the way it I mean, was done was yeah. was pretty solid. Um, Agreed. I was still very excited and fist pumped when it happened because I was like, yes. Because uh, by that time I had kind of forgotten that because I was too caught up in the moment and what was happening more for um, Kobe than I was considering what was happening. And then I was trying to figure out like, well, who's Kobe turned into and like what's her story and do we ever have references to her in Coven? I'm gonna go out to Coven and check. But then the you know the changing of the name to Spalding. I just went, yes, there it is. I mean, yeah. So, anything else you want to say to like wrap that up, or do you want to go directly into your like rating? Yeah. Um. The only thing I would say was like when Myrtle comes out, I was very excited about that, but also I was like, okay, this is a little overkill. Like we didn't, we don't need to see like everyone when they were little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um. Ma'am, what should we use to be our ranking mechanism for this episode? Just like doll heads or porcelain doll heads? Porcelain doll heads. Ugh, yeah. Um, I, I'll start. I really liked this episode. I thought it was great. It was campy and fun. It wasn't as straightforward. There were some twists in there that I really think elevated it to a to a better episode than you know just a standard psycho that's trying to kill girls in a really weird way. 
Um, this this took it to a different level and added some shades of of character and empathy in um, what the little boy kind of was could have, could have been and what he turned out to be. Um, Spalding or sorry, uh, Van Wert. We you know he's Dennis O'Hare, and I don't think he's ever done any role that I have not liked. <laughs> he's great. He's fantastic. So the acting and and the the young women who played the the doll pageant competitors were all great. I thought um, the twist at the end fantastic because I thought the episode was over and then the witches come in. People are going to probably complain about it and say it's too much fan service, but it's American Horror Story. They want to tie the universe together and just get excited about it is what I would say. Uh, I loved it. And I really, the more I was thinking about it, obviously some of these themes are fairly, fairly straightforward, but truly like the like talking about the standard. It's interesting that a man wrote this, um, this episode, but the standards we hold women to, um, the idea that they're all wearing a mask in this in this pageant and the pageantry of what it means to be a woman, especially in the '60s, um, concealing who you kind of really are and what you want to be, just to make these men happy. That that's a huge thing that still happens today, obviously. Um, how we pit women against each other for like one role that they have to be perfect to get. Uh, that's that's a real thing that still happens. You know, these really intelligent, accomplished, educated, kind, empathetic human beings have to like change who they are to fit a certain standard that we've set in society, um, forcing them to follow these rules and getting punished for not knowing some of the rules or not growing up correctly and not knowing how to set the table. Things, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, standards that are just unfair. Uh, and then, like I mentioned earlier, how we sort of indoctrinate little boys into perpetuating those standards and keeping things the way they are. I'll step off my soapbox now, um, but that was, that was, I just, I enjoyed the themes. I thought the direction was fantastic. I give this 4.2, four and a half. I'm going to give it four and a half. I liked it. Four and a half uh, porcelain doll heads out of five because this is a great way to kick it off. What do you, what, what do you think? What are your thoughts and what's your, what's your rating? I, I loved all your waxing there just about <laughs> kind of the, the, um, you know, subtext of this episode. I th- I think you're right. I think from just like a pure horror standpoint, um, I think this was episode was creepy. It was suspenseful. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would, you know, it wasn't, certainly wasn't terrifying at any point, but that's kind of sometimes just the type of American horror story we get. And I think it was very effective in that regard. I think dolls are creepy. So that was like, there was that creepiness. And I think, again, Dennis O'Hare, what I thought was awesome. I thought everybody did a pretty, pretty solid job. I thought Aurelia was kind of like a, um, Hidden hidden gem is I, she I think was that, great. Yeah, that actress's name um, I have it up right here. Just give me one sec. Is mm-hmm. uh, Abby Corrigan, and I thought she did an awesome job. She'd be a fun one to come back again because um, mm-hmm. she was just like this, like her. She was a little bit of a like uh, when they're running. Like again, her motivations in the woods don't make a lot of sense, but she had like that energy that was like kind of I don't know pulled pulled you in. I thought um, you know the actress who played. Uh, Kobe was very good as well. I thought Harleen was solid. Um, and then the kid who played Otis, I thought he did yeah. a very good job. So I thought the acting was very, like very solid all around. I thought the script was actually, the writing was really fun because like I said, the, especially Van Wert's monologues were, I thought really entertaining. Mm-hmm. And he had, you still had the fun, um, the fun American horror story lines, like the biscuit line, which, you know, sometimes that comes across out of place or corny, and I thought it would, like fit perfectly. Yeah, and that was that's partly based on the actress's delivery, right? Um, but I thought it was you know, it was a well written episode. I think the if I'm thinking through, um, 
any kind of criticism I would have. It would be if you were not a fan of Coven or like the regular American Horror Story show and you watch this as just like a capsule episode without knowing the connection to Coven, you might not love, I mean, you might be pretty frustrated by the ending because Good point. Uh, obviously you wouldn't get excited about seeing Myrtle Snow or anything or like learning the Spalding connection. Again, it is an origin story. Um, and if you look at it through that lens, then Fiona and the other witch coming to save Kobe it's feels bullshit. like, well, it, and it feels like a kind of like, <laughs> Deus ex machina, machina kind of yep. so, so for those who don't know that term it's like an old Greek term from Greek tragedies that happened you know that, that way back in ancient history in which a lot of times these plays would just have it written in so that way like a character would be in like a very difficult situation near the end of the play and Greek gods would just like come in on a chariot and scoop them up and save them and ride off and so that technique was called Deus ex machina and in some ways you could view that which is showing up kind of out of nowhere as that being the case. So I think if you were not a fan of Coven and other American Horror Story, it's like you either would have wanted it to end when you see her in the porcelain shell or have her set the place on fire herself or something. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, And get that carry moment. So that would be the only critique I would have. But being a fan of American Horror Story and Coven, I thought it was great. So I'm also going to give it a four and a half too. Nice. We should we should score it as like as fans of, of of American Horror Story four and a half as someone who probably has never seen it before and as a standalone piece and knowing nothing about American Horror Story a four maybe yeah I think it'd drop it like a, a half point because I think the rest of the episode yeah. was was a lot of fun but you would be pretty frustrated by the ending well, one other thing I was going to mention um, is uh, it, I, I actually got some midsummer midsummer vibes from it that everything is like so colorful and lit like brightly. And having horror happen in that type of thing often is a little less scary. Um, they could have ratcheted up the uh, tension uh, and fear of, of, of mortality uh, and creating more of a, a sense of dread. Because you're right, it was more just creepy and it wasn't as like, you know. And then, again, that's it's hard to do in 45 minutes or 40 minutes to try to connect with the characters enough that you're worried about their lives. Um, the only person I was really care that cared their life about their life was our main character and 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 Harleen probably because she was nice. Um, so that that could have elevated a little bit to be a little more tense and scary. But uh, everything else you said, I, I agree with as well. So that that's that's nine por- porcelain doll heads. That's pretty fantastic. I'm pretty sure that is the highest uh, score for any episode of American Horror Stories we've given so far. So yeah, what that sounds like a pretty strong start to season two for me. I mean. They've been thinking about uh, amping amping this show up. Well, knock on wood, because we'll see next yeah. week's episode, Necro. We'll see if it can uh, hold us to this bar. But I think pretty solid start to season two. I'm pretty pleased. Me too. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Well, thanks so much for joining us, of course. Before we leave, as always, you can reach out to us with your own thoughts, theories, questions, everything else at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. You can also rate us and review us on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. We sincerely appreciate those. Helps more people find the podcast and broaden our American Horror Story slash stories community. And finally, if you are so inclined to throw a couple bucks our way via buymeacoffee.com slash T-A-H-S, we would sincerely appreciate that as well. Chris, where will people find you between now and Necro next week? Sitting on my air conditioner. (laughs) Uh, I uh, scrolling through what I actually am on social media wise uh, Twitter and Instagram at Chris Eustead, Chris with a K how about you Tyler you can kind of find me on T- uh, sorry Twitter and Instagram at TJMoss11 
thank you all so much for tuning in. We sincerely appreciate it. Fun start to a new season of American Horror Stories, and we're excited to ride through it with you all. Uh, that all being said, until next week, happy hauntings.